Welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our own reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast, uh, we're finishing up uh, a series, really, um, on family of origin, uh, kind of a walk through the Old Testament, looking at some uh, different pivotal figures in the Old Testament. And so this morning, we thought we would uh, kind of wrap that up with just some general uh, Old Testament intersection um, conversation in general. How does the Old Testament um, intersect with who we are as New Testament Christians. So, Debbie, you've got some ideas to begin us uh, on that that discussion. Uh, what have you? Well, um, as I was thinking about where to go with this, um, I want to put a nice little bow on this uh, family of origin um, Old Testament study, and, and there was so much that we couldn't cover. Um, but what I kept coming back to is that um, Christians seem to be um, pulled toward the New Testament, and we would much rather study the New Testament. Um, and why is that? Because it's one book. Um, it's not like the you know it's it's uh, two different. Um, um, some things I don't know what that would be um, because there are several different books, but. Um, um, and but we would much rather study the New Testament, and people say, "I just don't like that God of the Old Testament," as if there are two different gods: the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. And that's just not true; it's the same God. Um, when I uh, I used to teach disciple Bible study, and when I would uh, teach disciple one, um, the Old Testament um, usually took us to somewhere maybe. Uh, early January or mid-January, and they would say, oh, we're so glad to be done with the Old Testament. And yet, it is a book that is is so rich, I mean, books that are so rich, um, and it's the same God. And so, uh, I just kind of wanted to, to chat a little bit about why we um, why we look at it that way, or why we could look at it that way, is um, much rather talk about Jesus in the New Testament than sure. um, the, the God of the Old Testament. Well, I think you know uh, one of the one of the earliest um, kind of contentious moments in Christianity was just was this idea is um, is this God that we see in the Old Testament the same God as this God in the New Testament and an early movement within Christianity um, kind of cropped up that said no these are two different um, kinds of uh, kinds of gods or maybe one a little lower or you know, that this is not the same story, that this is different and we can reject that. And, um, the, I mean, the kind of the ringleader of that, the guy named Marcion, we don't really have a lot of his stuff anymore, but we have a lot of the reactions uh, mm-hmm. to his, mm-hmm. <laughs> to his stuff. And it was very, very early in Christianity. So it's a question that, um, early Christians were, were very concerned with, um, as well. So when we kind of have that very quick kind of response to go, boy, these seem, different. Um, I think it's, I think it's important to know that we're not the first ones to kind of stumble across that and not the first ones to feel that, to feel that kind of pull, um, within our own reading, um, of scripture, but the church uh, reacted very quickly, uh, to that and, and, you know, affirmed that, no, this is one continuous story here. And it has a lot of, 
you know, there are a lot of uh, th- things that are not easy uh, mm-hmm. to kind of harmonize um, within that story. And maybe, maybe we shouldn't even try, but, um, but that's an old, old uh, situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we find ourselves in when we walk into that. And so I think it's always helpful to remember that somebody's probably been here before. Sure. And this one certainly is, is that case. Sure. Yeah. And and when you do read, I mean, it's, it is true that it, um, it seems like God is a very vengeful, vengeful God um, in the Old Testament, and people are are killed for uh, not believing. And then you get to, into the New Testament, and it's full of grace and mercy. And you, well, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead, Randy. I think you had something to say. Uh, no, I was just. Uh, uh, I see the God of the Old Testament, um, and I was doing some reading on uh, going back and. Rereading some of McCornian stuff early this morning mm-hmm. just to get a little bit of foundation there, and uh, um, I think that the God of the Old Testament, when we uh, read about His slow to anger, uh, we read about His mercy, we read about His uh, warnings. How many prophets didn't He send over and over and over again? Um, I guess for me, at least, the God of the Old Testament is not quite as harsh of a God as what he is sometimes portrayed. Mm-hmm. And there are sometimes in the New Testament, when you think about Ananias and Sapphira, that uh, mm-hmm. uh, the judgment of God came up pretty hard and mm-hmm. pretty swift, uh, which uh, that that one grabbed my attention. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, both in, in action, mm-hmm. like in that story in Acts, but also in attitude when we talk about the, you know, the parable of Lazarus, the beggar. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, God basically says the same thing. He's like, well, they have the prophets. Let them listen to them. Yeah. And then, you know, scene. Right. <laughs> right. That's it. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's not maybe as there's the, the gulf is not as wide, mm-hmm. perhaps, mm-hmm. As, as we want it to be. And and the um, the writers um, and uh, you know I guess I I verge on uh, uh, being heretical here, but the writers of the Old Testament um, wrote differently. I mean, in terms of uh, they were looking at the entire cultural scene, um, they were looking at the wars, and and uh, there were some there were some natural consequences to Israel's um, um, ignoring God. I mean, in just in terms of of the enemies that they faced, um, and um, and in the New Testament, we kind of zoom in a little bit more and are looking um, not necessarily. We don't hear much at all about the wars that are are being uh, raged around them. And we know that there were, um, but Mm -hmm. we don't hear much at all about that. We we hear about the more, uh, the smaller um, um, groups of people um, instead of zooming out and and looking at um, the whole countries and uh, what's happening there. Um, So I think the focus just changes. God God has not changed. uh, never has, never will, um, and Jesus continues to point back to the Old Testament, um, and and in a very um, um, intentional way to say, "This is this is where I come from, too, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the same the same stuff." Um, but we have to, and, and we can't understand the New Testament. If we don't study the Old Testament, there's just so much richness there. Um, we can't possibly get the nuances of the New Testament if we don't know what has happened in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Something you said um, brought to mind, I think, 
one of the maybe misappropriated kind of dual poles that people often bring to this conversation. You know, they try to make it one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, th- things changing, so we 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 kind of think, well, okay, it says that God never changes, mm-hmm. and so God must be uh, static. Uh, God has to be this undynamic kind of mm. un, unmoved mover, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of, mm-hmm. kind of a situation. Uh, and that really, that comes from, I mean, if you chase that far enough, you, you do get some theological traditions that really embrace that, mm-hmm. that, that embrace that, you know, uh, God being perfect means God being static. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a real Greek understanding, uh, an idea of what the perfect is, that it's this, this unchanging form um, that kind of sits, you know, way up in the cloud somewhere. It's the it's the best of the best of the best. And if anything is different about it from one t- point in time to another point in time, then that decreases from mm-hmm. its perfection. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something I think that gets run to very quickly in these kinds of discussions. So we feel like we have to say, um, for God to be perfect or for God to be God. Uh, must be acting consistently, our definition of consistency throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I think that's a really bad place to run um, right away. I mean, from a, from a logical position, but also from a theological position that um, these constraints that we're putting on perfection are really our own kind of reinterpreted, you know, Greek philosophy, the kinds of understandings of what perfect means, and that it doesn't take into account um, the dynamic nature um, of God, which we find in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's a mm-hmm. relational dynamic. That means it's always in motion, that it is not static, that um, non-changing doesn't mean sitting still. Uh, they're not the same thing. Uh, right, but also God is big enough for us to not... Um, um, to not know all the different parts of him, obviously, um, throughout history, and um, uh, the essence of who God is remains the same. You know, God is still sure. And well, this Father, is where we Son, get into all those Spirit. fun, all those fun. Oh, good. Uh, I just Trinitarian. like to go toe to toe with you. Now, I'll all those lose, we, we get but... into all those fun Trinitarian kinds yeah. of um, heresies, right, or things where we go, well, is God just a? Are these masks that God wears? You know, during. Mm-hmm. Uh, during points in time. So is there an Old Testament mask? Is there a New Testament yeah, mask? No. You know, you, know yeah. you get into all those kinds of things where um, it, it really makes us kind of step back a minute and go, boy, there's no easy answer really to mm-hmm. <laughs> to put on this that hasn't been kind of uh, slapped down, so to speak, by by the church. Um, whenever we, we whenever we want to really zero in and say, this is exactly what God is like, here's an answer that Makes That's when we get in trouble. Makes perfect sense that you can walk away with and you know doing a doing an elevator pitch, right? The church goes no, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not how that's not how mystery works, right? Um, right. And so there's a there's a protection almost of of not not knowing or unknowing, but humble and slow knowing, mm-hmm. uh, which is I think different than than most people myself included sometimes mm-hmm. really want mm-hmm. you know yeah and god but but god also isn't just blowing in the wind and and 
and flooding from here to there. Um, no. Uh, in terms of, of um, right. uh, as we look at, as we look at, is this God the same as yesterday, today, and tomorrow? Um, same God, um, does he um, um, continue to um, um, work with us, and is he active, as, and is he... Um, you know what I'm saying, right? And that's that's what I'm saying is that's that's the that's the argument that people get in as they mm-hmm. go, well, it's this one or it's this one, yeah. And that's not it, yeah. Um, that's a that's a it's a false dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a it's a choice that you don't have to make. Mm-hmm. That's not even demanded mm-hmm. um, of you. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of scripture in the New Testament, you know, that starts with now God has, right? You know, right. There's a there's a dynamism to that that's that different. There's also God has always been, and then there's a now God has, right? You know, and and we do the same thing, I think, um, almost subconsciously. You know, when we when we use uh, direction oriented language about God, God is leading me to this or this or that or the other thing. You know, there's a lot. There's an understanding, I think, on a on a deep spiritual level within us that that there is this. Um, continuing um, interaction of God mm-hmm. with us in a dynamic state sure. that is not just simply our understanding of something that sits out there that doesn't that doesn't interact with us oh, and then we'd sure. like we just discover yeah. it like if if everyone is um, if everyone is honest enough and understands well enough that we'll all come to the exact same you know conclusion about mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah I think a lot of our perception of God uh, is um, shaped or molded by uh, how God reveals himself to us. I haven't chased this rabbit very far, so I'm not so sure where the trail will lead. Um, Those are the most fun. Yeah. The God of the Old Testament, once we get past some of the initial folks like Adam and Eve and Abraham and and Sarah, God begins to deal with... uh, the children of Israel, all two and a half million of them, through uh, through Moses, uh, through Joshua, through whoever happened to be leading for the day. In the New Testament, it appears to be uh, more of an individual relationship that we talk about through Jesus Christ. Um, and I think someplace in there, there's a dynamic when you're dealing with a whole group as a group, as a mass group of that many people, uh, and what the view of God is over against an individual kind of conversation or relationship with God. I'm not sure what that has done um, to our uh, to our understanding of who God is or to our vision of God is, but somehow when I'm dealing with speaking to an annual conference of a couple thousand people and when I'm dealing with somebody one-on-one someplace, there's a different dynamic that's going on. And God reveals himself. I don't know if he reveals himself differently because I think he's consistent, but I I think sometimes he reveals himself in a way that what can we handle or what can we understand at this moment in time? Um, So I, I, I chew on that, what that means. For instance, in the Old Testament, we hear God being a jealous God. And our understanding of what jealous means is almost petty, mm-hmm. uh, when in reality uh, it means uh, just a deep, deep, concerning, desiring of the very best for a kind of love. And that comes out 
more clearly in God is love in the New Testament than maybe it came out in the Old Testament. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, you know, a slightly different perspective here, um, I think, as Jesus becomes that inflection point uh, in the New Testament between what it means to be individual and communal. Um, I mean, the patriarchs in the Old Testament are a uh, an individual kind of inflection point that, that then gets pivoted into uh, this is not just about you, but about mm-hmm. everyone. And then Jesus becomes that again out of a kind of a broken Israel, and the church is on the other side of that inflection point as the as the new um, the new Israel. So I don't I don't know that it's simply uh, this is a you know a national or communal thing in the Old Testament, and this is a personal or an individual thing in the New Testament. But I think there's a the inflection point for um, revelation in God is certainly a different a different one in Jesus that is the most personal and the most mm-hmm. communal mm-hmm. Um, in some ways. But yeah, it's a real, um, that's a fun rabbit trail. <laughs> I like that. It's good. Well, I, I'd like to uh, turn the corner here a little bit and say that um, for me, um, the old, I mean, there is there's so much richness in in every book of the Bible, but um, I have found that people who really enjoy history are 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 the ones that are more drawn, not necessarily the Old Testament over the New, but more drawn to the Old Testament than uh, people who don't enjoy history because it really is you got to keep up. Uh, when you're reading that, and and remember, sure. um, uh, you know where the Israelites are, and and who they're fighting now, and and uh, what's happening here, and uh, so it, when you get into the New Testament, it, you're you're looking more at behavior. You're not looking as much at um, the history of, of a nation or of a people. Um, and so it's a it's a in terms of literature, yeah. it's a very different kind of reading. Um, yeah, I think throughout a, the Old Testament. Yeah, I think it's a different kind of empathy. Um, right. And right. You know, a New Testament writing uh, is a more direct direct to reader kind of right. kind of writing. Right. Which is more consistent with you know the the style of that time period. Right. Um, and so I think what. I think what's helpful for people who, you know, don't identify with, you know, history, I'm using uh-huh. air quotes here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't see him, but, um, is that they have to put their empathy in a little bit different place. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have to be a little bit more generous in your, in your reading, I think, and, and be more willing to put yourself in, uh, in the shoes of different folks within those stories, mm-hmm. um, where where a lot of New Testament reading, especially you know the letters, the epistles, um, are pretty much a one to one kind of direct writing, or at least it feels that way, even though right. that's not really the case. But right. you know, it, it it has that more of a feel; it's more accessible that way. Um, I think the harder work for for people who have more. Um, you know, short, I'll call it like short throw empathy. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be in the room. I have to be talking to you to, Mm -hmm. to be empathetic to you. Um, they've really have to work to kind of extend that into their, you know, into that time period and into that, um, time travel Mm -hmm. almost, Mm -hmm. um, to a sense. And that's, I mean, that, that is hard work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
you know, I think it's sometimes it's just as hard for people who, you know, have that kind of far away empathy to do that for people in the room, but Mm -hmm. it's the same kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the same kind of, um, struggle. And I've seen people who have, you know, taken that challenge, I think, to extend that empathy, to put themselves in those different kinds of shoes, a different way of reading that, um, that, uh, it's been more helpful for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if, if you're one of those people, give that a try. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You don't have to be a history person. I think, I think that's what, um, you know, for better or for worse, whatever you think about Hamilton, the musical, I think that's been one of the great kind of cultural, um, kind of blessings, honestly, mm-hmm. of, of that kind of phenomenon is to say you can have distant empathy for these things um, in, in a certain way. And that's kind of lit that on fire, I think, for, for lots of people. But yeah. Yeah. And I guess what I was talking about, too, is not necessarily um, um, the empathy part, but is simply uh, intellectually keeping track of everything as we're reading the Old Testament. You know what I mean? Is uh, okay. Yeah. Where are we here? And and what's more confusing um, is uh, is when you're reading a book um, and then it repeats what you've already read, and and um, that can get confusing. So um, if you enjoy um, um, reading reading history, is what I'm saying, um, then you might enjoy following that, uh, the Israelites' journey throughout, not just their spiritual journey. I'm not talking about that. Sure. I'm talking well, about yeah. their, their journey as a nation and, um, um, and all of that. That's just, you yeah, know. Yeah. I think, I think we get hung up a little bit too much on that. I think that's a very, um, I think it's a very, uh, modernist kind of, um, <clears throat> Oh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I want to be careful. Uh, yeah, watch it because uh, I'm just across the table. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, I think it's just a very kind of modernist, privileged reading of the text. Like we have to have all of this historical framework um, all up and running before we ever approach this thing. And I and I'm, I'm not sure that's how at least this this part of scripture was put together to be quite honestly, in its original kind of scraping together. Because right. we have to remember that this is not, you know, the the Bible is kind of a messy thing in terms of its construction and its arrangement and all that kind of stuff. And it, right. it it's really more of a, um, a liturgical document more than right. it is a historical document. Right. And so I, I understand people's, you know, desire to kind of have all their ducks in a row in terms of who did what, when, and whatever. Um but I think at some point, and that that becomes unhelpful in in stepping into it. Like that's something that continues to unfold uh, as you, the student of Scripture, uh, are in it, mm-hmm. and it's not an absolute necessity. Now, if you want to start, you know, getting really dogmatic about something and you haven't done your homework, mm-hmm. that's where I get a little cranky with mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not. You don't have to have it all together in order to to get into it. No, you it. don't. You don't. I'm just saying that um, we all like different types of literature. Yeah. Um, we all lean towards different types of literature. Literature, and those that have any bent at all toward um, enjoying watching, uh, reading about um, um, where people have been, where they're going, and all that kind of stuff uh, in terms of that history. Um, in my in in my background, I have seen those people um, really um, um, digesting the Old Testament well and really um, enjoying going back into that. Um, um, 
just just a literature preference, to be quite honest. I had people sure. uh, when I was teaching disciple that we would get into uh, the Proverbs, and they said, oh, I hate reading the Proverbs. And I said, why? Because every verse kind of stands on its own. You know, give me a story to read. Um, and, uh, you know, let me read the book of Ruth, because it's a nice story, and it goes from right. point A to point B to point C. Um, and uh, uh, the book of uh, Proverbs, or even Psalms, um, you know, it stands alone. And so uh, it's just it's just interesting to hear. It's fun to be in a Bible study in which uh, you're talking, you're going through all of these books, and people are real honest about, um, yeah. uh, you know, right. yeah, yeah, I know that I'm reading about God, but in terms of the literature, I don't like this book as much. I, I want to go back to the story. You yeah. know, I'm going to go back to that. That's kind I of guess. fun to have those I'm, conversations. Yeah, I'm a little brow <laughs> brow furrowly right now. Yeah, I know, I uh, know, I know. Only because I think that that Scripture, by its very nature, functions first and foremost differently than that. Like at of its, course it does. At its at its most basic and its first entry level, it is a, a different kind of literary document that then becomes these other things as, as you as you walk into it, and so you know the. I guess the preference, I mean, we all have our preferences sure. for literature. That's that's not to say anything, but that doesn't, um, that's not how the Bible works initially. Like it is first and foremost a document that is um, revelatory, liturgical, community building. It's something that we, um, you know, continues to to give us um, all kinds of different things, and so it works, it works differently than any other piece of of, of literature. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which I know sounds odd for, I mean, coming from me, someone who's real, you know, like uh, kind of a, a literary uh, context mm-hmm. crazy person sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's true, and I think that's I think that's why people are sometimes afraid of it because they get a little bit too afraid of afraid of the you know which genre is this and you know should i be reading this right now and this doesn't make sense and um you know the christian tradition is is full of people um just humbly approaching the text day after day after day after day and um not having to have complete answers to it you know on day one day three day 365 day lifetime right you know right right and that's that's hard sometimes, but it, yeah, I think of course it's rewarding it is. too. Of but, course it is. Yeah. I, I just uh, really enjoy being being around people who um, are, uh, are reading different parts of Scripture and, and seeing um, um, how God reveals himself through through that Scripture and um, and what different people are drawn to in terms of how they how they see God and, and how the, how God is revealed. Um, Randy spends a lot of time in the Psalms, right, Randy? Um, and... Uh, also in the Proverbs, is that right? Um, and uh, he's shaking his head. You can't hear that, but yes, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Going can, up and down. I can hear it. Yeah, I can hear <laughs> the, the head going up and down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and others may spend more time mm-hmm. uh, in the Book of Revelation or the Book of uh, uh, who knows what. You know. Yeah, and um, I think that brings it back around, honestly, to the end of this to the end of this series mm-hmm. um, that. You know, scripture is a 
foundationally a communal activity yeah. that it's not necessarily just a one-to-one right. me and the text kind of thing. And that goes all the way back to what you talked about on Sunday, which was that public reading, that public interaction. This is for the community right? Um, that we need uh, everyone to participate uh, in this. And so that's why the restoration of the law to the entire communal life of Israel was so important. Um, it, it wasn't just, oh, we found this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've got a couple of people who understand it and are going to tell us, you know, what we did, you know, give us the cliff notes of it and go on our <laughs> way, that this is for everyone and we're going to get serious about that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. I do too. And I liked this series of being able to go through the highlights of... Uh, um, I, I even hesitate to say highlights because that means we left out something, which which we did. We left out a whole bunch, but I loved doing this series with the family of origin and and uh, uh, taking a, a broad sweep through the Old Testament. And mm-hmm. now we're going to get ready to move forward and um, and uh, prepare ourselves for the passion of Jesus. Indeed. That's the conclusion, Isaac. That, that's that's that me is. throwing it to you. Uh, there's no throw needed. We're already done. <laughs> okay, so okay, we, there we go. We, we've hit the time point. The music's popping up. There it's great. You go. Everything's on time. So, <laughs> uh, well, if you have a lot of questions about this, um, again, Randy uh, spoke the least, so he gets all of the the emails that's uh, right. this week. That's our that's, that's our right. practice here. Uh, no, that's not true. Um, there is a comment link. We'd love to hear from you if you have questions. Um, and, uh, as always, thanks for listening. Um, lots of ways to get in contact with us, connect with calvary.org, uh, or use that link in the app. And next week we'll be back with a deeper dive into, uh, the beginning of the passion week, uh, using Mark, the gospel of Mark. So until then, grace and peace.